Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk Recorded live. Yes, folks, we're back. It's Tuesday night, ladies and gentlemen. You know what time it is. It is time for everyone's favorite retro show, Wrestling Revisited, for episode number 271-724-444-7044. Caller ID number 139926. You can join me, the Iceman, Jared DiGirolo, right now. And, of course, we are expecting a few more guests along the way this evening, including our main man, Gerard T. Smith, King NWO, if you will, however, as well as maybe some others, including the Lowdown Man himself, uh, Kendrick uh, Smith, if you will, and of course the Big Diesel Gregory Kern. But if not, that's okay. We're here by ourselves right now. Of course, Gerard T. Smith will be joining me here in just a few minutes, hopefully the bad guy himself. But tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you back to another time and place. Howard, of course, what time and place do you want to know? Why, it is the Great American Bash. Yes, folks, the Great American Bash, the summer pay-per-view that for the longest time was the biggest summer uh, extravaganza of its kind for the National Wrestling Alliance and World Championship Wrestling. The year we're going to go to is 1989, and it was entitled The Glory Days. And believe me, there was a lot of glory days back then when you think of the Great American Bash guys like the Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Ric Flair, Ole Anderson, Sting, Lex Luger, The Road Warriors, Nikita Koloff, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum T.A., Ivan Koloff, number one, Paul Jones, The Barbarian, uh, superstar Billy Graham, a lot of big names on this show, however. And the place we're going to go to is 1989, ladies and gentlemen, and the event was held at the legendary Baltimore Arena. Yes, folks, the Baltimore Arena. Of course, it took place on July 23rd, 1989, at the Baltimore Arena, as we said, a crowd of over 12,500 fans packed into that arena. As you know, the Baltimore Arena, of course, has been around since, believe it or not, the mid-60s, of course, from 1986 to 2003, almost 17 years, ladies and gentlemen. It was called the Baltimore Arena, and for a brief time, for less than a year, however, it was uh, given its name back, but now it is no longer that name. It is now known as the Royal Farms Arena of the Baltimore Civic Center, located, of course, uh, there on West Baltimore Street down there in the city of Baltimore, of course. The NWA, for the longest time, always considered Baltimore next to Greensboro, North Carolina, and, of course, some of the places they used to tour all over the South, including Richmond, Asheville, Winston-Salem, Raleigh, (coughs) excuse me, Charlotte, uh, Greensboro, uh, Myrtle Beach, of course, Columbia, Atlanta, Savannah, Macon, all these places were like all sorts of stops along the tour, however, excuse me, tour, if you will. But on this night, however, the Great American Bash decided to pull into Baltimore, and as a result, it put on a memorable show. So let's tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, what happened on that night and give you our thoughts as we go along. Hopefully we'll have some people stopping by and giving their thoughts, too, on this show. The first match of the night, ladies and gentlemen, was a very unique match. It was called a two-ring King of the Hill Battle World, and it pitted the team up. Sid Vicious and Dangerous Danny Spivey. Yes, folks, Sid Vicious and Danny Spivey, better known as the Skyscrapers, who would be pulling double duty on this night, of course, uh, would take on the team of Eddie Gilbert, 
Terry Gordy, Scott Hall, Bill Irwin, Brian Pillman, Ranger Ross, Mike Rotundo, better known to you as IRS or BK Wall Street, Ron Farouk Simmons, Rick the Dogface Gremlin Steiner, Scott, not yet Big Papa Pump Steiner, Dr. Death Steve Williams, and of course the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. This went about 10 and a quarter minutes. It was a pretty good first match. Of course, the rules of this match were that once a competitor was tossed out of the first ring, he would battle in the second ring, and then the last competitor standing in the first ring would be the winner of the first ring, and the eliminated participants would compete in the second ring. Well, the last competitor of the second ring would compete against the winner of the first ring in a standard match. We already listed the participants. As a result, Dangerous Danny Spivey, of course, delivered, uh, let's say, uh, a clothesline, however, was basically uh, delivered upon to him, and as a result, however, uh, this set up a match between Vicious and Spivey, but their manager, Teddy Long, yes, better known to you as the former GM of SmackDown, the former manager of Ron Farouk Simmons and Hacksaw Butch Reed, um, also Rodney Mack, of course, announced how on this night, how that the two of them would split the reward of fifty thousand dollars. That's right, folks, fifty grand, mind you, in more ways than one. As a result, however, um, we would see Sid Vicious and Dan Spivey compete much later on in the evening. However, and as a result, however, on this night, at least for the opening match, however, they would uh, find a way to put their differences aside, if you will, and just uh, come out victorious, if you will. Nevertheless, I thought it was a pretty good match and very entertaining to start out the show. Our next match, of course, was a unique match also. How it pitted, how, of course, a young Brian Pillman, of course, who had just been in the Battle Royal moments earlier at the two-ring King of the Hill Battle Royal, taking on Bill Irwin. Bill Irwin, of course, as you know, one time competed in world-class championship wrestling. Uh, I believe he was also known as the Goon at one time in the WWE back in the mid-90s, if you will. As a result, of course, uh, Pillman uh, performed a crossbody from Ring 1 onto Irwin in Ring 2 for the victory in about a time of over 10 minutes as well. Uh, this was a pretty good match. Of course, Pillman had not yet come into his own, obviously, of course. He would come into his own much later on down the road by teaming up with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, then known as Stunning Steve Austin, to form the Hollywood Blondes. Uh, Bill Irwin, of course, would uh, also, as we said, uh, become a very unique wrestler in his own right. Uh, in fact, yes, in fact, I'm reading right now, ladies and gentlemen, he was better known by a lot of names. Uh, the Goon, Super Destroyer 1, of course, uh, he was uh, known as Wild Bill, of course, in uh, World Class Championship Wrestling from 1987, or excuse me, from 1980. Four through 1987, I should say, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, he would uh, also get a shot at maybe returning into the WWE for one brief time, however. But since then, however, he is now a motor coach bus driver and uh, is spending his time in retirement doing that. Of course, he's 61 years old. Brian Pillen, we know about him. He, of course, uh, teamed up with Austin and feuded with Austin over the years, of course. And sadly, tragically, we just lost him about... 19 years ago, believe it or not, at the age of 35, uh, Brian Pillman, of course, uh, former, I believe, two-time light heavyweight champion, if I'm not mistaken. He competed with the guys of like Juice and Thunder Liger, among other cruiserweights back in the 90s. And as we said on our shows and all of our shows here on the Talk Show Network Hour and on Revolution especially, this is a guy who I feel that WWE is just missing the boat on by not putting into the Hall of Fame. This guy has so much charisma. This guy has so much energy. It's just unfortunate that WWE has not seen that, however, after looking at all his stuff over the years from being a pro wrestler, however, and now not putting him in the Hall of Fame. 
something's not right there. Something's not right at all. So hopefully next year, however, he will get his time and place in being into the Hall of Fame. From there, let's talk about our next match, ladies and gentlemen. Again, this was a very unique match. It was a tag team match, if you will. The Skyscrapers of Vicious and Spivey, who earlier in the night competed, however, at the start of the show, however, back in action yet again, this time taking on Johnny Ace, uh, better known to you all as John Laronitis, former WWE Talent Relations uh, coordinator, if you will, and the brother of Road Warrior Animal, a.k.a. Joe Laronitis, and the franchise of my hometown of Pittsburgh, Mr. Shane Douglas, better known to you all as Troy Martin. As a result, however, Spivey and company won this match with a one-shoulder power bomb, believe it or not, as it was performed from Spivey onto Johnny Ace, a.k.a. Laronice, to win the match. Uh, the match went over, if I'm looking here, here it is, just nine and a half minutes. Uh, a good match, okay match for the most part. Uh, Ace and Douglas, of course, yep, were still coming into their own. Obviously, we knew that um, it would take them a while to get used to being teammates with each other. Of course, Shane Douglas would also go at one time team up with uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, if you will, in the mid-90s. But on this night, he was teaming up with Johnny Ace. Um, personally, I thought the gimmick with the Dynamic Dudes was okay when they teamed up at times, but it really never caught on with me. It never really appealed to me. And even now, as I'm looking back on it now, it still didn't appeal to me as much as I thought it would, but uh, the Skyscrapers, I'll tell you what, they were a very tough team in that ring back in the day. I mean, I would put them in the ring with guys like the Four Horsemen, Doom, uh, also I would put them in with the Steiners maybe, uh, also the Midnight Express, the Road Wars. I mean, these guys were bad, bad dudes, and I'll tell you what, they really found a way to hurt you, and uh, that's the way uh, Vicious and Spivey were like back then, and uh, they were very unique, let's just say. Well, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's go on to our next match. But before we do, let's uh, give you the number again: one seven two four 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 seventy forty four. Caller ID number one three eight seven. Excuse me. Sorry about that. One three nine nine two six. I almost gave you the raw radio number. I'm thinking I'm doing raw radio here from Monday. Sorry, that's our uh, Monday show, ladies and gentlemen. You can listen every Monday. The Human Suplex Machine, John Gross, uh, of course. Uh, Big Diesel, Gregory Kramer from the Kramer Brothers Band of Pro Wrestling Reviews as well as many other Facebook pages. All you got to do is just check us out on TalkShoe.com. Yesterday we celebrate episode number 44. Next Monday will be a very special, uh, unique show, shall we say, on Memorial Day. We'll be celebrating our 45th episode, so hopefully you will check us out there. Uh, do not forget, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow night, of course, you can join Gerard T. Smith along with Miss Madness herself at 8 p.m. at the Wrestling Debate Table at caller ID number 139925. Of course, the Iceman usually is in the chair with the king and queen of Mr. and Mrs. Madness, but unfortunately he has a prior obligation to fulfill, so he will not be at the debate table tomorrow night, but you can catch the other two members of the debate table. Uh, but they will be on tonight on Revolution. Caller ID number 138055-POUND. Of course, Mr. W. Chad Hinshaw, along with myself. Gerard will be handling the news, of course, along with the Iceman tonight. John Gross will have your birthdays and dates in history, and who knows what we got planned tonight. We'll be talking, I'm sure, about Extreme Rules from Sunday night, very unique show. We'll also be talking about Monday Night Raw from last night in Baltimore, which we'll be getting into in just a few minutes with my opinion about that here, as I will share with you my thoughts about the show. Uh, a very unique show there last night in Baltimore, i got to say. A very, very interesting show, and uh, we'll touch upon that in just a few minutes. Uh, do not forget, this Thursday, you can listen to Wolfpack Radio. Call our ID number 138521-POUND. And, of course, on Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, you can listen to the Power Hour with Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw, Gerard T. Smith, and the Iceman from 1 to 2 every uh, 
Saturday afternoon. Our caller ID number for that is 141364. You will be listening to the Weekend Review with, of course, Mr. WCW and, of course, GTS, along with the Iceman, will give you their thoughts about the past week's activities. Of course, tomorrow night, uh, our newer show, Outside the Ropes, ladies and gentlemen, will air at 6.30 to 7.30. Again, the Iceman will not be there, unfortunately. He has an obligation to fill, but Mr. WCW, Chad Hinshaw, has promised me that he might have a backup plan for that, and, of course, you can listen to that. Tomorrow night, we'll talk about the latest news, of course, at the NBA playoffs, the NHL postseason, of course, the latest hot movies out in the theaters everywhere from uh, this last week, including uh, The Nice Guy, starring Russell Crowe and um, Ryan Gosling, which just came out last week to some very good reviews. Of course, the Iceman did get a chance to check that out last weekend, and he actually said it was a pretty good movie, so uh, you can have a chance to check his review and opinion out there, I'm sure, uh, on his Facebook page as well. Of course, the caller ID number for that is 141387. That's from 6.30 to 7.30 tomorrow night. Of course, tomorrow night we will talk I'm sure on Outside the Ropes about the new X-Man uh, movie that's coming out here this week. Alice in Wonderland, of course, also due out this week. And some other interesting movies this week uh, out there in the theaters as well as on DVD. Okay, let's get back to wrestling because that's what we do here on Tuesday night. The Wrestling Retro Time Machine is back up and running once again. And this time we're going to go to our next match. It was a very unique match, let's just say, here in more ways than one. It was a tuxedo match here as this was our fourth match next in the next match, as a result, it pitted two guys who have had quite a bit of uh, uniqueness to them over the years, whether they were managers, commentators, whatever. It pitted Jim Cornette, yes, folks, James E. Cornette, taking on Paul E. Heyman, better known to you all at that time as Paul E. Dangerously. As a result, however, Cornette and company, of course, uh, managing the Midnight Express. Uh, of course, Paulie Dangerously had his own version of the Midnight Express at the time. This would culminate, of course, in a tuxedo match with these two. And as a result, Jim Cornette won in over six and a half minutes. Uh, fun match, i got to say. I thought Paulie Dangerously played the role here pretty well. I mean, Jim Cornette was always a great manager. I thought one of the most underrated managers, in my opinion. I mean, he had a lot of teams that he used to manage over the years, including the Midnight Express, as we said, Yokozuna and Vader. Uh, Paulie Dangerously, of course, also a very unique manager slash owner-promoter, if you want to call it that. He, of course, had feuds not only with Cornette, but uh, Medusa Michelli, better known to you as Alundra Blaze. Uh, he would also get into feuds with Ricky Steamboat when he had guys like Rick Root and uh, also Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Dangerous Alliance, back in the mid-'90s. Uh, he also was a member of running of ECW at one time and had some guys that were uh, very close to him, both inside and outside of the ring, including... Uh, Tommy Dreamer, the innovator of violence, Rob Van Dam, Mr. Monday Night, a.k.a. Mr. Pay-Per-View, Mr. Whole F and Show, whatever you want to call him, uh, as well as the human suplex machine. No, not our friend John Gross, our other human suplex machine. The one-man crime spree from Red Hook, New York, the five foot nine, 245-pound monster known as Taz, uh, Devon and Bubba Ray Dudley, and others. And uh, Paulie Dangerously also had some uh, issues, too, about him, not just in the ring, but out of the ring, too. And uh, at this time, I thought this was a pretty good, decent match, if you ask me, like I said, however, and it was entertaining for what it was. So there you go. All right, our next match, ladies and gentlemen, talk about tag teams. We're going back into the tag team wars again, however, and it pitted the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott. Yes, folks, the Steiner brothers, who earlier in the night competed in the opening match. However, we're back at it one more time here tonight, however, this time with Missy Hyde. You talk about a unique person, of course. Uh, that's another person that Paul Heyman, of course, over the years, found a way to, well, let's just say, get under the skin of. As a result, uh, she was managing the Steiners at this time. As a result, they were taking on the Varsity Club of Mike Rotundo and Kevin Sullivan. Of course, Steiner 
would go on to join the group much on late, much later on down the road, I should say, excuse me. As a result, however, the Steiner brothers ended up winning this unique Texas Tornado match in about four and a half minutes. Uh, the match was okay, I thought. It could have been a lot better if you ask me. Of course, the Steiners, of course, were uh, a pretty good team, as you know, in their own right, of course. Over the years, they have uh, developed some uniqueness outside the ring, of course, especially Scott Steiner with his attitude. Rick, of course, uh, since he quit wrestling, I understand, has done a lot better with his attitude. Uh, outside of the ring ability by running uh, for a uh, school board president in his district, I believe, down there where he lives now in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, and has also uh, done some other things outside of wrestling itself. Uh, Mike Rotundo, of course, we've told you about him in the past. He is the brother-in-law of Barry Windham. He also has a couple kids in the wrestling business. Kevin Sullivan, we've always had our opinions. Some of us have had very mixed emotions about the man and unique opinions about the gentleman. And uh, as I mentioned, Missy Hyde at one time was a member of WCW as well as ECW, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's unfortunate that she never got a chance to go into the big leagues of the WWE or WWF at the time. Uh, I thought she, if she would have gone there, I think would have had a tough time uh, getting her feet wet, so to speak, considering there were some unique uh, people at the time. And I don't think WWE would have been able to handle her, if you ask me. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Maybe you have a different opinion. We'd like to hear from you about that. But I think if Missy Hyde had gone into the WWE, excuse me, I think she would have had a tough time really getting uh, fans on her side or fans cheering for her because I think a lot of people felt that uh, outside of the ring as well as inside of the ring, she had some, uh, well, I wouldn't say sexiness about her, but I would just say she had some assets that were... uh, very questionable and very shaky to say least. And of course, she was also married at one time to our next guy, who we'll talk about here in just a few seconds here, however, the late, great, hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert. And speaking of hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, he was with his uh, good friend Stinger, formerly of the Blade Runners, which led us to our next match here at Great American Bash 89, the Stinger, Steve Borden, if you will, taking on the great Muda for the World's Television Championship. As a result, however, Sting would win the match here. However, Sting successfully retained the belt here as Muda lost the match with Gary Hart. Uh, Gary Hart, of course, is another guy. And ladies and gentlemen, we just want to acknowledge Guest 2 has now been logged into the chat. Guest 2, welcome. You've got the Iceman here. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and hopefully uh, call in. Of course, the number 1724-444-7044. Caller ID number 139926. This is the 27th episode of Wrestling Revisit. In three weeks, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be celebrating our 30th episode. That's right, folks, the big 3-0, and Guest 2 is no longer with us. So, Guest 2, thank you for stopping in. Uh, we uh, hope that you'll uh, check back with us uh, if you feel like it later on down the road. Anyway, getting back to uh, Gary Hart, ladies and gentlemen. This is another guy who I feel should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, this is a guy who used to have a lot of people in his stable, including Gentleman Chris Adams, the great Muda. I believe he had at one time Abdul the Butcher in his stable, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm taking a look here uh, right now. Uh, he had, uh, yes, he did have Abdul the Butcher. So there you go, folks. I was right on that one. Uh, Bruiser Brody, uh, Terry Funk, Larry Sabisco, Dusty Rhodes, Ron Bass, Jerry Lawler, just to list a few. And, uh, it's unfortunate because Gary Hart, unfortunately, passed away about several years ago at the age of 66 due to a heart attack. However, uh, unfortunately, uh, this was a guy who really, really was a unique wrestler as well as a manager. I mean, this guy, of course, held the world's NWA American Tag Team Championship three straight times, of course. He got into business in 1960 at the age of 18, believe it or not. And uh, he also <clears throat> had a little fate bestowed upon him, if you will, back in 1976, if you will, when he and Bobby Shane and Austin and I were passengers on a Cessna 182 flown by Buddy Colt, however. 
and they crashed into Tampa Bay, however, down there in Florida, tragically killing Shane, but leaving uh, Hart and Idol, needless to say, uh, fighting for their lives, so to speak. As a result, they were saved by the Coast Guard, of course. 1975 was also the same year we saw Ric Flair uh, barely survive a plane crash of his own when he was on a plane with David Crockett, Mr. Wrestling 2, Tim Woods, and John Valentine there in Charlotte in uh, October of that year, ladies and gentlemen. And many people thought that Flair would never wrestle again, let alone walk again. And it was about six months till he got back in the ring, however, in early 1976 that he found himself back in the ring, uh, just like Hart did, however. And very fortunate and very lucky to be alive and back in the sport, so to speak. So uh, Gary Hart, I always felt, was a most another unique, underrated manager in his time. I mean, like I said, he had a lot of guys in his stable. Of course, we missed some of them. Of course, you can check out his Wikipedia page on wikipedia.com. Uh, also, another guy I want to mention that he had in his stable that was a pretty unique guy, and I never knew about this, so I'm just reading his bio right now. He managed a guy like Big John Studd, believe it or not, and also... Uh, the wrestler known as One Man Gang, a.k.a. George Gervin, or George Gray, excuse me. Anyway, so that being said, I thought Gary Hart was a very unique manager. Of course, Gary Hart would be back out later on in the evening. Unfortunately, it was not a good night for Gary Hart here uh, to start out the Great American Bash as his man, the Great Muda, lost here in eight and a half minutes to the Stinger. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's continue on with our next match, ladies and gentlemen. Match number seven, if you will. However, Lex Luger, we're going to speed by this quickly if we can, uh, was the U.S. Heavyweight Champion taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat, of course, would be, uh, as we've already mentioned in the past, a very unique wrestler over the years. As a result, Luger would defeat him by disqualification, however, because apparently uh, Luger, uh, mind you, however, got Steamboat attacked Luger with a chair, and as a result, just literally snapped because Luger apparently found himself, uh, mind you, however, uh, getting tired of Luger's shenanigans, even though this was an ODQ match, however. But uh, prior to the matchup, however, uh, this was billed as an ODQ match, but then changed midway through the match, and as a result, Luger then said, however, countouts and DQs are in effect, however, and as a result, they had to change it suddenly midway through the match and make this now an officially one-on-one matchup. Um, this match was okay, I thought. This was good. Unfortunately, this feud would continue on a few months later at Halloween Havoc 1989 when these two would get it on one more time in Philadelphia. Um, like I said, very good match. And, of course, we've always said what I've said over the past about Vicky Steamboat uh, many times. I've also had opinions about Lex Luger. So there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the semi-main event next, however. And the semi-main event was a War Games match. Of course, War Games, a very special, unique, uh, dangerous match, if you will. And here is who we had on this night, ladies and gentlemen, competing in the War Games. It was the Road Warriors, Hawk and Ammo, teaming up with, of all people, the Midnight Express. Yes, their longtime rivals, the Midnight Express. Beautiful Bobby Ean, Sweet Stan Lane, along with Dr. Death, Steve Williams, who... I feel is another Hall of Famer worthy because this guy absolutely did everything back in the 80s. Uh, this guy was a four-time All-American at OU in football and wrestling. He, of course, uh, also uh, was a very unique uh, champion, whether he held the U.S. champion, the world's title, the tag titles. I mean, this guy did it all to Dr. Death, and he is one of my personal favorites of all time. And I still think uh, it's unfortunate that we lost him also way too soon, if you will. 
Uh, needless to say, they would all team up here on this night with Paul Ellering, of course, Precious Paul Ellering, one of the most unique managers of his time, a member of Mensa, a really good guy. His star, of course, Rachel, now getting into the business with the WWE's uh, developmental system down there in Florida at NXT, as I believe she had her debut match last week and uh, fared pretty well in her opening debut, let's just say. Uh, of course, Paul Ellering and Jim Cornette were managing their uh, guys at this time. Of course, these two guys never got along with each other at the time, but on this night, they had to put their differences aside because they had a common enemy, let's just say. And here's who uh, their common enemies were. The Fabulous Freebirds of Jimmy Jam, Jimmy Garvin, Michael PSAs, and of course, the great Terry Bam Bam Gordon. Of course, Gordy and Williams, we mentioned them over the years. A very unique team, both in America, but mostly in Japan, folks. I'll tell you what, these guys were always big in Japan, seemed like, wherever they went, however, and uh, they battled some of the best teams over there, whether it be from the States or from Japan. And uh, they will go down as one of the top ten, if not one of the top five, I think, greatest uh, international tag team factions of all time, without question, probably number one on my list. These guys always found a way to get the job done. They always found a way to hurt you, and they also found a way to just really rough you up in the ring. But they also had a soft side to them. And, of course, uh, Terry Gordy is another guy who we lost way too soon. And, of course, this past year we saw the Fabulous Freebirds go in the WWE Hall of Fame. All members of them, including Buddy Jack Roberts, Michael P.S. Hayes, Jimmy Jam, as we mentioned, of course, the Bammer, Terry Gordy. Uh, a great faction who had some great feuds, of course, back in the 80s, not just with uh, the Road Warriors and, the, and, and, of course, uh, the Midnight Express, but, of course, in the early 80s with the Von Erichs, of course, Kerry Von Erich and his family. Uh, I believe he also fought with some other great teams back in the 80s, too, back in world-class championship wrestling in the mid-80s, if you will. So uh, this team was very unique in its own way. And, of course, they had a chance to team up with all people, uh, the Samoan SWAT team, a.k.a. the SST, if you will. Of course, they took on uh, Rikishi, better known then at the time as Fatu, and his partner, Samu, believe it or not, the somewhat, I believe... If I'm not mistaken, I believe it is the. I think it is the. Let me see here. I'm trying to think. However, I think he is. Uh, yes, he is somewhat the cousin, believe it or not, of I believe Roman Reigns, the for, current WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Anyway, Samu and Fatu, of course, were being matched by Paulie Dangerously. As Paulie was back out there yet yeah, one more time here on this evening. Of course, a lot of these guys were doing double duty on this night. As a result, this one 2020. Excuse me, 22 minutes plus. However, I thought this was a great match. It's one of the better matches of the night. Uh, the War Games was always a great match and one of my faves of all time. I mean, it was just like a precursor to Hell in a Cell and also the Elimination Chamber as well as uh, the um, World Rumble itself. I mean, these guys would always find a way to just go out there and steal the show, referring to the Warriors. And of course, on this night, they did so. <coughs> Excuse me, but at the same time, they would also have some help from uh, one of their longtime rivals slash bitter enemies, if you will, in the form of the Midnight Express, if you will, by defeating the Fabulous Free Birds and, of course, the SST, if you will. So, uh, a very good match, nevertheless. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, before we do, however, let's just give you my thoughts here quickly, as I'm going to run through it quickly. However, what I thought of this paper on a scale of 1 to 10, I would give this about a 7.5, close to an 8 out of 10. I thought it was a pretty good show. Uh, the best match of the night, I'd say, still is the War Games match, followed by this next match. Uh, the non-entertaining match, even though it was kind of fun and entertaining to watch these two go at it, however, I would have to say, as much as it pains me, would have to be Corda and Pauly in the tuxedo match. I mean, yes, it was fun and entertaining, even though it was short, however, I thought it could have gone on just a little bit more, if you ask me. So that was one of my bare disappointment matches of the evening. 
Uh, from there, ladies and gentlemen, let's tell you what happened next, however, in our main event, however. And, of course, it pitted the world's heavyweight champion, Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Yes, folks, Ric Flair, the champ, once again, putting his gold strap on the line, taking on his longtime friend slash rival, if you will, Terry Funk, if you will. Of course, Gary Hart was being the manager of, Gary, of Terry Funk here in this one. Of course, it all started after what had happened just a few months before at Russell War 89 when Ric Flair regained the belt from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in Nashville. Terry Funk then drove Funk, however, excuse me, Flair, off the apron, if you will, in Nashville, and that caused Flair to be out of action for about a month or so, however, and as a result, Flair and Hart began to uh, goad Ric Flair into uh, calling him a coward and a yellow belly and all this and that. Flair came back to determine to fight uh, the good fight once again, this time against Funk and Hart, and as a result, however, this would culminate in the first of two matches that they would uh, be going at with each other. Of course, the Ladder match between these two would uh, culminate in November, of course, later on in 1989, the I Quit match in Troy, New York at Clash of the Champions 9, New York Knockout. But on this night, these two uh, would uh, deliver a pretty good match. And in fact, I had a chance to go back and watch this match not too long ago. I thought it was a great match. These two fought really well against each other. They went close to 20 minutes with each other. They could have gone another five minutes plus, however, I think they could have gone 25. But uh, this ended up going 17 and a half rather than 20 as a result. However, it was a good, entertaining main event. And once again, Ric Flair, of course, uh, came out victorious, however, with the victory, shall we say, as he defeated Terry Funk. Uh, a quick side note here about Ric Flair, however, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, Ric Flair, of course, would go on shortly after this, ladies and gentlemen, a few years later, to go to the WWE once again, if you will, the WWF, if you will, and take away uh, the championship belt, as well, we're going to talk about Ric Flair in just a few minutes here, ladies and gentlemen, about my thoughts about last night's uh, show in Baltimore, which, of course, uh, Ric Flair has been considered, like Greensboro, North Carolina, pretty much everywhere throughout the world, however, considered a god in all these places. But Baltimore is one of those places, like Greensboro, North Carolina, ladies and gentlemen, that I can honestly say that every time I see Ric Flair in Baltimore, hear Ric Flair's name pop up in a city like Baltimore or wherever, however, he is always revered and admired and respected. And on this night, they definitely showed their respect to Ric Flair once again as he fought the good fight and took it to Terry Funk and uh, once again came out on top by winning, or should I say, yes, winning the match and also retaining the NWA, soon-to-be WCW World's title. But uh, as I said, uh, this was a bore. No question about it. These two fought really some pretty good matches back in 1989, but it was not nearly as good as the Ric Flair-Ricky Steamboat matches from early in the year, but it was still good enough in my eyes to be number two behind some of the second best matches of the second half of 1989. I mean, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat stole the first half of the year, however, by having some great matches, of course, at Clash of the Champions 6, Raging Cajun, Chi-Town Rumble, and, of course, the Music City Miracle match in Nashville at Russell War 89. Then, of course, uh, the latter part of 89, Ric Flair and Terry Funk would take us home going into the latter part of the year by having some pretty good matches, including this one here in Baltimore, as well as the New York Knockout at Clash of the Champions 9. Okay, we got about 15 minutes left here, so uh, we're going to come 15, 20 minutes left, so we might go a little overtime here tonight. That's okay, Howard, because uh, we feel like it, and that's the way we like to do it here on Wrestling Revisited, so uh, we're going to do that here. Uh, let's talk now about last night's Raw, ladies and gentlemen, that happened in Baltimore. Um, 
as you know, of course, it was a very unique show. Of course, Seth Rollins, of course, Sunday night is we're going to talk about on Revolution tonight, of course. And in case you've been behind under a dirt uh, rock or something like that over the last several months, he is back, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, folks, the architect formerly of the Shield, and at one time the leader of the so-called authorities uh, champion. Uh, Golden Boy, if you will, has returned with a purpose, however, and has made a statement and that he is planning on challenging Roman Reigns. Yes, folks, Roman Reigns for the World's Heavyweight title, and it can now say it has been confirmed, it has been announced, and now also confirmed, ladies and gentlemen, that these two guys, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, these two who used to be like brothers, if you will, in the Shield, however, back in just a few years ago, however, will get it on, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, in Las Vegas, coming up in four weeks at the T-Mobile Arena. Yes, folks, it will be at the T-Mobile Arena, ladies and gentlemen, that these guys will be going head-to-head, however, coming up in four weeks' time, however, mind you, as far as what goes down, however, in Sin City. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see these two uh, get it on, if you will. And, of course, Ric Flair also is coming out with a very unique special. It's very soon. I'm not sure when that's going to happen. I believe that will be airing out in the next few weeks, maybe in the next month or so. It is a 30 for 30 special. You might want to check that out uh, in more ways than one. Um, Also, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about the uh, Money in the Bank qualifying matches last night. I mean, some of these matches were really good. Sami Zayn and Sheamus, I thought it was a good opener. I mean, I love Sami Zayn to death. I think Sheamus is a great heel, too. Don't get me wrong. But I'm glad to see Sami uh, come one step closer to his dream and uh, be the first person to qualify for Money in the Bank. I thought that was very good to see. Uh, I did like the way Sheamus went a little ballistic afterward. However, of course, he attacked Apollo Crews uh, following this hour later in the evening, of course, uh, because of what had just happened. As a result, ladies and gentlemen, it was a very, very good match, however, like I said, however, and I thought these uh, two fought a really good opening uh, contest. I thought it was very unique. I thought it was very fun and entertaining. And, uh, yeah, so I thought this one was really good. Uh, another qualifying match, of course, was the Miz and Cesaro. We've talked about these guys in the past once again. Uh, Cesaro comes out victorious here. I thought it was really good to see, especially after what had happened the night before. I think Cesaro getting payback on the Miz here was worth it. And uh, I think right now, if there's a guy who I think could really surprise people and maybe cash in or at least maybe take home the money in the bank briefcase in Vegas, if I'm putting my money on someone right now, it is definitely the Swiss Superman. This guy means business. He's been back for a few months now, uh, like Sammy has. But I'll tell you right now, I think a lot of people better watch out for this guy because this guy could mean business in four weeks' time, and that is Cesaro I'm referring to. Uh, speaking of Dean Ambrose, ladies and gentlemen, Dean Ambrose, of course, uh, was another guy who qualified for the match as he defeated Dolph Ziggler last night. A very, very good match there between him and the show-up. Of course, the show-up having his own problems with Baron Corbin, Mr. End of Days. Of course, they will wrap up their feud, I'm sure, coming up next week. In fact, I did hear they are going to probably wrap it up next week as these two will go at it one-on-one. Uh, but to me, the best uh, Money in the Bank qualifying match of the night, and this is the main event, ladies and gentlemen, this was a great match. I mean, these two guys really stole the show in my eyes. And, of course, we'll talk about, as I said, Ric Flair here in just a few seconds. I think, without question, was AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. I mean, these two guys really, really, in my eyes, I don't know about you people, but I thought they absolutely really gave the fans their money's worth last night there in Baltimore. They really did. They gave them almost 20 minutes to work with each other. There was no hokey finish here by either side. Teller. There was no uh, blatant DQ or just total... Uh, uh, Let's just say uh, shenanigans ensuing, however. It ended in a straight-up clean finish. And, of course, A.J. Styles, however, almost had victory in his hand. 
until KO nailed him with a pop-up power bomb. However, I thought uh, the way that happened uh, was very good, done by Owens. Of course, AJ, as I said, has done very well this year. I would have to say right now, if there's a guy early on who has to be superstar of the year in my eyes, however, unlike Roman Reigns, Unlike uh, Dean Ambrose, I'm putting my money on AJ Styles. I think AJ Styles has had a phenomenal start to 2016. Ever since he came into the WWE, he has won the fans over. He's won me over more and more as I've been a fan of his for a long time since TNA. I mean, this guy is just super-duper entertainment excitement nonstop. He gives you his all every night, and he just absolutely wows you. And I think last night he again wowed me, and I think a lot of fans too, by giving up a good fight to KO like this. Kevin Owens I'm referring to, ladies and gentlemen, formerly Kevin Steen. Uh, as a result, these guys just really, really got the crowd talking, I think. And if they didn't, shame on them, because I think they got me talking about it more and more as I'm just absolutely giddy with excitement. I really am. I mean, these two guys really put on a phenomenal match last night, no pun intended. And like I said, even though KO won, I think AJ should have came up victorious. These two delivered a hard-hitting main event. And like I said, I think they definitely stole the show for me. Now on to Ric Flair, folks. Uh, this is my grievance, and I know the Black Widow, Michelle Lindotts, is going to not be is going to be the next person behind me. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way after what they saw last night. What they did with Ric Flair last night, okay, I understand they wanted to write Ric Flair out of the story involving Charlotte. Okay, I understand that part. But after what had happened last week in Greensboro, after what had happened the night before involving with Dana Brooke wearing one of Flair's robes and wearing a st- just doing her hair like Ric Flair and the blonde hair and pretending to be Ric Flair coming out there to help her somewhat new bestie, Charlotte. Uh, basically get a cheap fluke victory over Natty. I'm not okay with that. I'm sorry. I think Dana Brooke, part of my language here, folks, and I don't mean to curse here, and usually I don't curse a lot, however, but in this case, I'm going to tell you how I really feel about Dana Brooke and Charlotte. To me, I think Dana Brooke and Charlotte are nothing more than stuck-up, snot-nosed, arrogant bitches. I mean, really, seriously. I mean, I understand outside of the ring they can be that way, too. But in the ring, as of late, however, once again, it just goes to show you they are the most arrogant, conceited, narcissistic, just total, non-caring people and divas you ever want to meet. I mean, what Charlotte did to her dad last night, I thought was a slap in the face to many. I thought it was despicable. It was disgraceful. And I hope someone tells you, Charlotte, however, that they're coming for you. Whether it be Becky Lynch, whether it be Sasha Banks when she gets better from her concussion, because I know she's out of action for a little while, whether it's even Paige. Someone's going to set the record straight sooner or later with you, honey, and take away that belt you've had for eight months. Natty should have had the belt already, not once, but twice. She got hosed thanks to your little buddy, your dad's friend of all people, Charles Robinson, when you guys did the Chicago Screwjob three weeks ago, and then again on Sunday night when you had to have your new buddy, Dana Brooke, come out there in your dad's robe and whatnot, and do the strut and everything, however, and pretend he was your dad, she was your dad, however, and help Help you get a cheap fluke victory over Natty. Well, guess what, Charlotte Howard? Come four weeks from now in Las Vegas, and I hope WWE's listening to me when I say this, Howard. I hope you decide to go with this, because there's been talk that you might be doing this, folks. A Divas Money in the Bank match. I hope they do that, and I hope, Charlotte, your title is on the line that night, honey, because guess what? There's going to be a lot of people gunning for you now, whether it be Becky Lynch, 
whether it be Paige, whether it be Sasha Banks, whether it be Natty. There's going to be some people coming after you right now, Howard. Yes, you've been a fine champion. You've been a great heel for the past several months, Howard. But guess what, Howard? It's time to step aside, Charlotte. You've had your glory. You've had your fun all this time, having your dad be at your side and beckoning call. Well, guess what? What you did to your dad last night was disgusting, was deplorable, and was just downright appalling, if you ask me. And I hope, I don't care, like I said, if they have to bring someone up from NXT, whether it's Bailey, Tessa Blanchard, Alexa Bliss, somebody, to set the record straight with you and your new buddy Dana Brooke. Someone's coming for you, Charlotte. And when it happens, Howard, I hope you get a, find a way to be ready for it. Because I know you've been ready the last few times with Natty, even though you basically got a fluke victory against Natty both times, Howard, especially at Payback, Howard. It's just going to show once and for all, Howard, that you can't do anything on your own. You have to have help all the time, whether it's your dad or whether it's your new buddy and BFF Dana Brooke, Howard. We saw that what happened there on Sunday night. We saw what happened at Payback, obviously, with your dad and Charles Robinson, but like I said, what you did last night was just absolutely, in a word, appalling and just downright disgusting. It really, really was. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that, folks. Just went on a little tangent there and a little fit of... Uh, Iceman meltdown rage, if you will, as I like to say sometimes. But that's the way I feel, you know. And if you have a problem with it, however, and if any of you guys have a problem with it, however, I'm sorry. That's the way I feel. Sometimes, I mean, I feel what I say, you know, and I'm not the only one who feels this way. But uh, anyway, folks, um, let's talk about another thing that uh, really, I wouldn't say appalls me, but kind of uh, leaves me puzzled. And this is what I'm going to call right now the somewhat puzzled, uh, questionable segment of the night, if you will. And that, of course, was the opening segment involving Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Like I said, when we started reviewing this here just a few minutes ago, I thought it was a great opening. I thought it was a terrific opening. Seth Rollins had the crowd eating out of his hand as the heel again. I mean, Seth is a terrific heel. Don't get me wrong. It took me a while to warm up to him last year. And the way he was, however, but more and more I hear of him, however, he just has that heelish factor, you know, more and more. He's got that great heel ability. He reminds me sort of a young, arrogant Triple H in a way. You know, back when Triple H was doing the whole uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley gimmick. That's where they're going with this, I think, but not really. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next four weeks between him and uh, Roman Reigns. Obviously, tonight, the Superstars are going to be in Norfolk at the Legendary Scope Arena for SmackDown tapings this week. It should be very interesting uh, to see what happens there. But uh, getting back to what I was saying, um, as far as who the heel and face is, this leaves me a little puzzled, mind you. I mean, I know for a fact that WWE Universe, over the last few months, however, more and more are not liking Roman Reigns. I understand that. I get that. Okay, but with Seth Rollins coming back, we saw them cheer their heads off like crazy. We saw them standing up and applauding, yelling, thank you, Seth. Thank you, Seth, Sunday night and again last night in Baltimore. I'm just wondering, however, if WWE kind of pulled the trigger on turning Rollins back into a heel too soon. Because, I mean, I had heard originally they were going to turn him face for a few months and then maybe back into a heel again. I mean, yes, Roman Reigns, however, is being shoved down our throat every which way but loose. And, I mean, it's like that every single week. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. I know a lot of us think that out there, including the Black Widow, who really uh, would agree with me on this point. And the Black Widow I'm referring to is our own Queen Miss Madness herself, Michelle Lynn Dodds. If you want to go with a good heel turn and have the crowd really despise you 
or like you, however, you've got to do something right. And it seems like over the last several months, more and more, the WWE front office booking team just does not get that. Yes, they're bringing in new talent like AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and bringing back again Luke Gallus and forming a faction called the club. Yes, they're bringing in guys that are being worthy of championship uh, contendership, i.e. Samoa Joe against Finn Balor, Finn Balor against Samoa Joe, Bailey Nascua, Nia Jax, all those people down in NXT. But up on the main roster, folks, how yes, I know you had a lot of injuries to deal with this past year. Randy Orton, Neville, Cesaro, Tyson Kidd, Seth Rollins, etc., etc. I get that, okay? But do we really need to see every week or every other week the same old crap and the same old ratings number? I mean, really. The last few weeks, the WWE ratings have absolutely been disastrous. They've been like two twos and two threes. And this is your flagship show, folks. This is your flagship show. This is where I'm going to go off on this one. I've said this before on not only this show, but all the other shows too, however, including Raw Radio, Revolution, uh, Wolfpack, uh, Attitude Radio, however, etc., I think WWE has got to seriously maybe sit down and consider in the next few months or in the next few weeks maybe to maybe stop doing these three-hour Raws every Monday. Seriously. They're not getting any better, however. They're way too long, however, and they just continue to put me and I think a lot of people to sleep in the process. Not to say some of these shows are bad, but sometimes more often than not, they are bad. I mean, what they should do, and I've said this before, on not only this show, but other shows as well of our network here, a talk show, as well as some of my friends outside of talk show, who are off Facebook as well as on Facebook, what they ought to do is, if they want to keep the three hours, or at least make it a better three hours, make the first hour a warm-up show. Have your younger, lesser talent from either NXT or guys who rarely make TV appearances, whether it be on Raw or SmackDown, fight against each other or against other people that are in the same boat they are. Then you go into Raw, say, at 9 o'clock or like 9.15, and run that until about 11 o'clock or 11.30, however. Stick to that, however. If you do that, maybe you'll hit a home run every now and again, or at least try to get more people watching. Right now, however, these three-hour Raws continue to put me to sleep. I mean, yes, sometimes we get a boring 10, 15, 20-minute promo. I understand that, and that's part of it, however. But at the end of the day, however, I think a lot of people want to see more action, less talking, whether it be in the backstage and interviews, whether it be doing skits in the back, however, whether it be doing stuff out there in front of the crowd. I mean, like I said, I think some of the stuff they've done so far has been okay. Don't get me wrong. It's been all right. But at the end of the day, if they want to make it better, however, and at least try to get some more better talent and get people on TV more, however, and give them better storylines, however, stop doing cheesy stuff. Stop going back to stuff that was like 10 or 15 years ago unless people weren't born around them, then I can understand that. But if they were around around that time, however, around the Attitude Era and post-Attitude Era, excuse me, and they're doing that, however, start making improvements on that. If you don't, how are you going to lose your core audience? That's all I'm going to say. You really are going to lose your core audience. And as far as SmackDown goes, however, mind you, however... I mean, you're not losing audience members there that much. I mean, yeah, you are losing them a little bit here and there sometimes, but not a lot. But you're actually doing okay. 
The only other thing I have to say, and I'm going to let this go real quick before we wrap it up here tonight. And by the way, I want to thank you all for listening tonight. Of course, we hope to have again Gerard T. Smith back in the studio with us next week, along with the rest of you for our 28th episode. Uh, Gerard is right now in the newsroom, we understand, uh, working on some news, so he will be back with us in a little bit. And of course, I will be back too in less than an hour here on Revolution. 138055 pound, by the way. Um, is this. Your announce team. Okay. I understand Michael Cole is your voice on Monday nights. And you have JBL, the heelish announcer and kiss-ass of the company, and Byron Saxton as their three-man team. On SmackDown, you have Mauro Ranulo, Booker T, sometimes Byron Saxton, and Jerry the King Lawler. Okay, this is my grievance. As far as SmackDown goes... I think Mauro Ranulo has done pretty damn good. I really like him. He's a great announcer. He's really starting to feel his way into the company more and more. I think he's doing very well so far since he got into the WWE from Japan. Of course, he used to work in New Japan Pro Wrestling, by the way, in case you're wondering, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as far as Booker goes, sometimes him coming on, however, as a sidekick, however, one of the color announcers, he's funny, he's entertaining, he's energetic, he brings passion, and sometimes he's a little... As far as Jerry the King Lawler goes, he's still funny, witty, and entertaining at times, i got to say, as well. But I think if WWE wants to cut dead weight with this announcer, so much the better. And I hate to say this guy should be out of here, but I really think he should. It's Byron Saxton. This guy does nothing for me. This guy doesn't bring charisma. He doesn't bring energy. He doesn't bring passion. If you want to bring someone in and maybe... Shake up the announced team. Think about bringing someone in like Corey Graves. I am a huge Corey Graves supporter. I love the man myself. I think he brings a lot of fun and energy. He's probably the next best heel announcer behind JBL, who's done pretty well at times. But I think if they want to make a big change at Raw and SmackDown with the announced desk as a third wheel maybe in the announced table, I would say either think about maybe putting Corey Graves there or maybe Renee Young possibly out there, you know? But Corey Graves, in my opinion, I think would be the better fit, because I think Corey Graves as a heel announcer with JBL and Cole would be a fantastic trio. Or at least maybe put Cole over on SmackDown and then give JBL, Graves, and maybe Mauro Ranolo a chance to broadcast Raw, you know? That would be fun, too. I think Mauro Ranolo maybe trading over with Cole and letting Cole go back to SmackDown and Mauro moving to Raw and do JBL, Ranolo and Graves would be a great new trio addition, I think, to Raw. And on SmackDown, you can maybe do Booker, Cole, and Saxton, or Booker, Cole, and Lawler. You know? Something like that. I think it'd be fantastic. But again, WWE, I hope you're listening to me, and I hope all of you are listening to me tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we really want to thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, again, we're very sorry Gerard Smith had a prior obligation. Uh, he will be back with us later on. We just want to send out Hello to him and the rest of our <coughs> excuse me, esteemed panel, including the Black Widow, Michelle Lynn Dodds, uh, Queen Madness, Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw, the last kicker, Emery Reckenbach, the JML Experience, the Big IQ, Jeff Teeters, John the Human Suplex Machine Gross, Big Big Diesel Kramer, as well as uh, Mr. Hulkamania, uh, Bob Ziegler, and the lowdown man himself, Kendrick Smith. But uh, right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you out for the night. We want to thank you for listening tonight. Don't forget, we'll be on less than an hour with Revolution. Uh, Mr. WCW Chad Hinshaw is on his way into the studios right now as I'm getting ready to leave for the evening for a little while. 
I'll be back with you guys on Revolution with my thoughts and opinions on Raw as well. And you can listen to this in each and every of our shows on TalkShoe.com. So for right now, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for listening tonight. We'll see you soon. And enjoy the rest of your night, everyone. And thank you for listening tonight. Have a good night, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon. Good night, everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.